Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I guess six weeks now, we've been talking about No Other Name. That's the series that we've been in as a spiritual family. So for those of you that may be visiting us for the first time, just to give you a little background, we've painted a picture over the last month and a half really showing the broad strokes of who Jesus is. We've talked about Jesus, the teacher, Jesus, the servant. Uh, we, we talked about Jesus, the healer, Jesus, our priest. Last week on Palm Sunday, we talked about Jesus, our king. And today, on Easter Sunday, we'll finish this series, and I think it's so appropriate, we'll talk about Jesus, our Savior. Can I have a good amen? No other name. What's in a name? Have you ever noticed how important names are to us? Have you ever noticed, especially in South Louisiana, the unique names that we have? How many of you, you know a Boudreaux, a Thibodeau, Pierre? Oh, yeah, that's got some interesting names that are very unique to our culture. But I've discovered this, that what you're named and what you're called are not always the same. How many of you have a nickname? Oh, yes. And how it came to you, there's probably a story behind it. Some people don't even know your real name. We've got some nicknames around here, people that we're connected to. We have a duck. His first name is Donald, but every call, everybody calls him Duck. Uh, we got a bird. Uh, we got a bubba, a bow, a booger. <laughs> how many know there's a story behind that nickname and how that name stuck? Um, <laughs> A Tootsie, uh, a Sugar, Uncle Nookie. And you never knew that his real name was Philip until his funeral, but it was just Uncle Nookie. You know, that's what everybody called him. Um, and in the South, there are certain rules that we apply. And I've learned this over the years that if you're a junior, uh, how many guys, you're a junior? You're named after your dad. A lot of times, what they'll do in South Louisiana, instead of calling you junior, they'll put a T in front of your name. Okay, so if you're a junior, you could be called like T Wayne. T-Bob, T-Mo, um, and if you're a third, now this is really interesting too, because of the, the Acadian French culture, if you're the third, they'll simply call you Trey, regardless of what your name is, because in French, Trey means three. I, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, sometimes we call our children by their first and middle name, and the two go together, and don't leave off the middle name or you will be corrected by mom. Because it's not Mary, but it's Mary Ellen. It's Emma Grace. It's Anna Claire. It's Michael James. It's Ricky Bobby. <laughs> All these names and rules. You know, in our family, my wife, her name's Rachel. Her middle name is Delyn. So when we started having children, Alexa, our firstborn, we gave her middle name the same as her mama. So she's a Delyn. Michaela is our second, so she's a Delyn as well. So Rachel Delyn, Alexa Delyn, Michaela Delyn, all the girls in our family have the same middle name. So much so that when the kids were little, they thought that my middle name was Delyn. <laughs> Dad, is your middle name Delyn? I'm like, no, I'm a Howard. <laughs> hey, what's so funny about that? Named after my dad. 
I think sometimes our parents gave us middle names, so when they called us by all three, our first, middle, and last name, we would know that they meant business. How many know what I'm talking about? Mom would say, Mike, wouldn't pay any attention. Michael, still wouldn't pay any attention. Michael Howard Heyman, reporting for duty. Um, I love in the South the culture that we have, especially like if you go to Albertsons or you go to Winn-Dixie, the, the lady behind the, the, the checkout counter, she'll call you a certain name like, hey, baby doll. I remember the first time, I'm from the Midwest, and we moved down here back in the late 80s, and I went to Albertsons, and I was checking some things out, and the lady said, hey, sweetie pie. I was like, what? I went home, I'm like, mama, did you know I am sweet? Honey, sugar, baby doll. I love that. In fact, sometimes when I just feel discouraged, I'll go to Albertsons just so I can feel better about myself. <laughs> How many grandparents do we have in the house today? A lot of grandparents, yeah. We have these fancy ideas as grandparents what we're going to be called until that first grandchild is born, and they can't say grandmother, so whatever comes out of their mouth, it just kind of sticks, and, and that's what you're called. You're called Meemaw. Are you called Gigi? Are you called Nani? Are Pops and Nani or, or Nan? And I, I love how the, the significance of names in our culture, names mean something to us. Even in the Bible, I want you to consider this. When God first began to create everything that we see, you know how he created it? By giving it a name. He spoke out of nothing and created something. He said, let there be light. Well, who knew what light was? He created it, and he labeled it, and he spoke it into existence. When he separated day from night, he said, I'm going to call you day, and I'm going to call you night. Oh, by the way, this, these are the heavens. I'm calling this the heavens, and this is the earth. Consider Adam in the garden. What was Adam's first responsibility? He had to name all of the animals. How would you like the job of naming all of creation? I mean, every living being that you had to create a name. I can see Adam with a lot of enthusiasm as he's getting started in this whole project. He sees this large gray animal and says, Behold the hippopotamus. The hippopotamus. But there's so many animals. And by the time he got to the insects, man, I could just see he probably had burnout. Fly. <laughs> Lord, help. You know, and you read in the scriptures how God would even change people's names. Abram. God said, no, 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 no. Your name will no longer be Abram. I'll call you Abraham because you will be the father of many nations. And right at that moment, that name changed. It actually changed the trajectory of the father of our faith. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you know, there is a name that's above every name. There's a name that I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music to my ears. It's the sweetest name on earth. There is no other name. And we are gathered under that name this Resurrection Sunday morning. It's the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Oh, I love that. Look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel of the Lord was speaking to Joseph some 2,000 years to go. 2,000 years ago, and, and he gave him some instruction. And he said, Joseph, this, this girl, this young lady, 
Mary will have a son, and you are going to name him Jesus. You see, heaven had already declared the name of this young child. These parents didn't pick it out on that day. It was given because Jesus was on an assignment. In fact, he says, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you know what the name Jesus means? It literally means the Lord saves. In the Old Testament, it was Yahshua, which means God saves. You see, Jesus had a mission from the very beginning, and so heaven gave him a name that would make it very clear as to why he was here on earth. Let me ask you this. Why is Easter so important? Because Easter is the culmination and the fulfillment of the assignment that God the Father had given Jesus when he sent him to this earth, Easter. And I know if you're like me, some of you have different traditions this time of year. Some of you, you may gather for, you know, crawfish boil or you get together with your families. You have some time off from work and school. It's a time to rest, a time to reflect. But for me, one of the traditions, and I've just embraced this for myself personally, because I just feel as a pastor, it's so important for my heart to be connected to the, the meaning and the mission, the significance of this weekend. I don't want it to get lost in the, the busyness and the activity. So one of the things that I do every year on Good Friday, I watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen that movie? That's a tough movie. It is hard. It is brutal to watch. And the same thing happens each and every year. I ball like a baby. I mean, I'm blowing snot bubbles. So Friday, I, I mean, I cleared it out. Okay, I got my, got my box of Kleenex, and I go into the other room, and Trevor, my son's like, Mom, he's doing it again. And they know I'm just going to be a hot mess. But I've got to see and be reminded of everything that Jesus went through. I want you to consider 2,000 years ago, they put this man Jesus on trial. In fact, it wasn't one trial, but it was six. And many of those were conducted in the middle of the night. And according to religious law, the Sanhedrin broke many laws in trying to execute Jesus. They put him on trial, and they made up all kinds of charges against him. You know what they found him guilty of? Nothing. Not a single thing. Jesus was innocent. And here is the innocence of heaven at the mercy of men. Oh, but there was one claim that made them furious. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And for that, the religious leaders couldn't stand it. They had to get rid of him. Jesus was on trial. What was the outcome of that trial? There were some decisions that had to be made. And do you know, 2,000 years later, we are still putting Jesus on trial. There are still decisions that we have to make when we're confronted with the person of Jesus. Who is he? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic or is he Lord? Well, they convicted him, and they brought him before Pilate, and Pilate condemned him to die. And you know the brutality of Roman crucifixion. They had perfected the art of torture and torment. After they had whipped him at that whipping post and his flesh was ripped from his body, they stretched his body across a wooden beam, and they nailed him to a cross. And you've seen the gory pictures. It's, it's horrific to even watch, much less experience. And they drove his hands and feet with nails, these large spikes, into these wooden beams. And, 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 and then they, they hoisted him up, and his body hung on that cross. 
And the cause of death for a victim of crucifixion, I don't know if you realize, it was suffocation. Now, now they would bend their knees to, to extend the pain because when they run out of lungs in their air, and uh, air in their lungs, and they just couldn't f- survive another moment, they would push themselves up to catch another gasp of breath. And finally, the pain in his chest and the pain in his extremities was so much so that he breathed his last. And Roman soldiers would take a wooden hammer, uh, a, a big mallet, and they would break the legs of these victims But they didn't do that to Jesus. They took a spear and they pierced his side and blood and water flowed. And any doctor will tell you when blood and water separates that the cause of that is a heart that's ripping and tearing. I want you to consider this. Jesus died of a broken heart. They took him off the cross and they put him in the tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. Why was it a borrowed tomb? Well, Jesus didn't plan on staying there too long. You see, Friday was dark. Saturday was silent. But Sunday changed everything. And early Sunday morning, they went to the tomb, and they were looking for Jesus. And the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. And from that day to this day, that resurrection power, I want you to consider this. Every time you write the date on a check, You are giving recognition to the greatest event in human history. The resurrection literally separated time in two. And if Jesus is alive, the resurrection authenticates everything Jesus ever said and did. Can I have a good amen? And the Bible says, for those of us who place our faith and trust in him, the same spirit that raised Jesus out of that tomb, it now dwells and lives inside of us. It's power. That's why we gather here and we sing our songs and there's such passion and excitement and enthusiasm. We recognize the work of Jesus on the cross, but it wasn't finished on the cross. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. You know, I remember years ago, I was in Walmart. How many of you go to Walmart? How many like to shop at Walmart? I'm I'm your average Walmart shopper. I love it. Actually, I don't really love it. I kind of struggle through it. I told Rachel, my wife loves it. She loves Walmart. I told her, I said, baby, when I die, I want you to bury me in the Walmart parking lot because I know that girl's going to come see me every day. (laughs) And Rachel sent me to Walmart with a list. Guys, how many of you, you need a list when you go buy some things? Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to forget stuff, so she gives me a list. I have two or three items on the list. It takes me several hours just to find out. I don't know where anything is. It is work. It's work for me. I thank thank God for FaceTime. I'll call her, put her on FaceTime. I'm showing her the shelves. I'm like, baby, it's not on here. They don't have it. She says, look to the left. It's always there. She knows. And I don't like self-checkout. I think if I go through all the hard work of picking out the stuff, Come on, fellas, how many are with me? I mean, don't expect me to do self-checkout. If i got to find it, I've got to find the barcode on it. God forbid it's fruits or vegetables where you got to weigh the stuff. So this particular day, all the, the, the checkout lines were full, and so I had to do self-checkout. And so, man, I'm just, I'm weary. I'm getting through it. I finally did everything, bagged my groceries. I'm walking out the store, and one of the associates stops me and says, excuse me, sir, can I see your receipt? I was like, well, sure. Looking through my stuff. I don't have a receipt. She said, exactly, because you didn't pay for these groceries. 
I thought, oh, Lord, Healing Place pastor caught shoplifting at Prairieville Walmart. <laughs> she said, baby, you're not going to leave this store until you can show me a proof of purchase that these groceries are paid for. Can I tell you this? Heaven's receipt is the empty tomb. Whenever that tomb was vacated, that was heaven's proof of purchase that our sin and guilt was paid for. Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe. We owed a debt that we could never pay. Can I have a good amen? And so what is Easter all about? Easter is all about heaven saying, paid in full. Jesus, this Jesus that will save his people from their sins. Now, look, I love this verse in Acts chapter 4. This sums up the salvation plan, I think, in a, in a very simple yet powerful way. Here's what that rescue plan was all about, Acts 4.12. The Bible tells us this, for there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name. That, that, that's where we get the series that we're talking about, right from this scripture, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Now, let me give you three simple thoughts out of this verse that I think are powerful when it comes to God's assignment through Jesus and the plan of salvation. If you're taking notes, write this down, no other name. There are a lot of names that are out there, but there's only one name. A lot of people pursuing many different things. You know, I've discovered that in life, we'll chase a lot of things that we think are going to make us happy. I mean, if I can just get that job, if I can just find that spouse, if I can just make this amount of money, or I'll be happy when I move into that house, or when I get that hunting camp, or when we can go on those kind of vacations, I'll be happy when. And we attach happiness to so many other things. I want you to know this. People can please you, but only Jesus can satisfy the emptiness that's in your soul. There's a hole in your soul that only heaven can fill. And the Scripture tells us there is no other name. I'm so thankful. Now, the name of Jesus is exclusive. He said there are a lot of things that you can chase, but there's only one way. Uh, I love what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I want you to know, in this world, you're going to be unsettled. You, there's, a, there's a gap. There's going to be something that feels out of sorts or something that's always missing. If you feel that way, I want to tell you, that's very normal. It's natural because you and I weren't made for this world only. We were made for another world. And only heaven can satisfy that longing. There is no other name. But there's power in that name. I want you to know, the name of Jesus gives us access. Do you know that you and I cannot enter into heaven based on our own name, based on our own merit? The name of Jesus is like a key that unlocks doors. It gives us privilege into certain places that we could never get into on our own. When you say the name of Jesus, that means something. Um, I thought about this, you know, years ago, and a good friend of mine, Kevin Mawai, Kevin and Tracy, longtime friends, been a part of this church for many years. Kevin, some of you may know him, he played football at LSU. And then when he graduated, he went on to the NFL played four years, I think, for the uh, Seattle Seahawks, spent eight years in New York playing for the Jets, 
And then he finished his career in Tennessee playing for the Titans. All-pro center, future Hall of Famer. And so based on a connection, friendship, relationship, Kevin would invite us up, and we would do chapel for the team. And before the game would start, I'd visit with the guys. We'd, we'd do a chapel service. After chapel was over with, then we'd go to the game and watch the game. And then afterwards, we'd get to hang out with the fellas. I thought, man, that's a pretty cool deal. Well, so one time we were doing this, and we were in New York, and uh, the, the Jets were playing at that time in Giant Stadium, and I forget who they played. But after the game was over with, I'm walking out of the tunnel with Kevin and all of the Jets. And so, man, those guys are huge. I mean, those NFL football players, their legs are so big when they walk, it's like claps of thunder. You know, and then here's a little skinny, scrawny Mike. You know, I'm just kind of hanging out with the guys. And so all the fans are waiting at the end of the tunnel because they want autographs. They got the programs and the hats and the shirts, you know, so Kevin and all the guys are signing these autographs. And then here I am. And some of the kids are looking at me like, who, who is that guy? Looking up in their program, is, is he like the field goal kicker? Is he, is he the and I could tell they're whispering back and forth, and they don't know what to do with me. So I'm like, just give it here. Give it here. I said, God bless you. God bless you. It's going to be great. And there's some kids like, yes. There are kids in New York right now trying to sell a program on eBay that has my signature on it, and it's not worth the paper it's printed on. Why? It wasn't my name that got me in that tunnel. It was his. I, I was with him. I was with Kevin. I'm not a jet. I don't do deserve to be in that environment. But guess what? Because of his name, I got in. Heaven works the same way. You and I don't deserve eternity in sinless perfection. But because of his name, we have access I'm telling you, and there's authority that comes with the name of Jesus. Do you know that on earth there are laws that govern nature? There, there are natural laws that govern the earth. But then there's a kingdom realm that has a different set of laws that supersede natural laws. And in the kingdom, the name of Jesus is high and lifted up. And in fact, Jesus said this in John 14, as he's talking to his disciples, he said, and whatever you ask in my name, notice he says, in my name, use my name when you're asking. Don't go to the Father based on your own merit or your own strength, but if you need something, ask in my name and I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. How many of you know that's power right there? And the Lord gives us his name. When Rachel and I first got married almost 21 years ago, she took my last name. All the rights and the privileges of being a Haman now belong to her. Girl, you can write checks out of my account. Why? Because you're a Haman now. She's like, great, all $1.78. <laughs> well, I'm like, girl, you best be proud of that name. Don't want no hyphen up in there. Come on, you're a Haman now. I'll tell you what, I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful that he would share his name with us. Consider this, we call him Christ, so we are Christians. What is he doing? He's lending us his name. There's no other name. Number two, given to us. Here's what's cool. Jesus didn't just keep his name up in heaven, but he brought it here to earth. Everything he had and everything he did he gave as a gift. 
want you to know salvation is not something you earn. Good works, church attendance, giving in the offering, as good as all those things are, that's not what gets us into heaven. Jesus gave us his name as a gift. There's no test. There's no scales that you have to balance. Jesus says, I did all the heavy lifting, and I've given this to you as a gift. I know at Easter sometimes as parents we prepare gifts for our children. How many of you have small kids and they love what's in that Easter basket? They're checking that basket. What kind of eggs? Don't just give me those plastic eggs. You better put something in those eggs. Come on now. If we're going to do an Easter egg hunt, make it worth my while. I love those gold brick eggs. I love those Reese's peanut butter eggs. Come on, talk to me. Do we still do that? Come on, how many still like peeps? You still do peeps at Easter? Y'all don't do peeps? Y'all like that gold brick stuff? So you're like, man, just put money in my Easter basket. I don't know what's in your basket this Easter. But my prayer is this. Don't have a full basket and an empty heart. Don't let your basket be full of stuff. Maybe there are things in your basket that are disappointing, discouraging. Maybe you've got pain and loneliness. Maybe you've got hurt, heartache, brokenness, even dysfunction in your basket. If you'll place the name of Jesus in the basket, there's more power in that name to take care of everything else around it. Do you believe that? Somebody say, no other name. Say, given to us. Say, so we can be saved. Oh, this is, what's it about? Say, Mike, saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from death. Saved from destruction and punishment. Do you know sinning comes natural to us? We have a sin nature. I don't have to work hard at sinning. Kind of comes pretty easy. But you know what? God looks at sin and he says, you think sin is inevitable, but I think your sin is forgivable. In fact, not only is it forgivable, it's redeemable. And I'm going to send my son. Aren't you glad that God sent heaven's best into man's worst? Gave us no other name so we could be saved from eternal destruction. Your worst mess can become your greatest success. And here's the simplicity of the gospel. And, and let me wrap up by, by sharing this verse, this, this final verse that I think is going to help us when it comes to salvation. And, and this is what I love about the Scriptures because the, the, the power of the gospel is in its simplicity. Man tries to complicate things and say you have to jump through a bunch of hoops and you have to do this and you have to earn this and achieve that. And if you can just be good enough. And the Bible says, no, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Let me clear this up, Romans 10, 13. The Scripture says it like this. For whoever, somebody say whoever. whoever, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord. There's that name again. We can't get away from it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Okay, how do you be saved? You simply call on the name of the Lord. You say, Mike, you mean I don't have to do a bunch of rituals? No, no, no. You call. In fact, the name of Jesus is exclusive. But the people who can call on him, that's all inclusive. Notice what the verse says, whoever. You know, sometimes Rachel, she'll be baking something at the house. And, man, she got chocolate chip cookies. I mean, I can smell chocolate chips. It's everywhere. It is a move of God. 
I walk in. I'm like, oh, yes. Go straight to the kitchen, man. She's got all the chocolate chip cookies just fresh out of the oven, gooey, still gooey. And I'm just reaching in, grabbing. She said, but I, I, I get your hands off of those. I'm like, whoa, sorry, what's up? Those aren't for you. That's, that's for Trevor's third grade class. Or no, this is for a birthday party. Or these are for the neighbors. Don't touch those cookies. But then there are sometimes uh, she'll be baking cookies and I'll be like, hey, who are those for? She says, oh, whoever. And I think, I'm a whoever. <laughs> that means these cookies are available to me. And you know, God loves you so much that he made salvation available to whoever. It's for you. It's not exclusively set aside for monks or missionaries or Mother Teresa or Billy Graham. Guess what? Crazy Cajuns like ourselves. Salvation is for Boudreaux. It's for Thibodeau. It's for T-Mac. Come on, somebody. It, it, I don't know what your name is, but there is a name above all names. And he came to sacrifice himself specifically for you. Do you know that name is written on every single page of this book? God wanted you to know him so much that he sent Jesus and all throughout the scriptures from cover to cover. You see, in Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's our fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign. In Ezra, he's our true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, our timeless redeemer. In the Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom's cry. Ecclesiastes, the times and the seasons. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the spirit's power. In Amos, he's the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he's our great missionary. In Micah, he's our promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's the one pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores the lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness to rise with healing in his wings. That's who he is. He's Jesus. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's God, man, Messiah. In the book of Acts, he's fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's our freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the Godhead Trinity. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, our everlasting covenant. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our great shepherd. In First, Second, Third John, and Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And in the Revelation, he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Beginning, and the End. His name is Jesus. There's no other name. Jesus. There's salvation in Jesus. There's healing in 
Jesus. There's freedom in Jesus. Come on, somebody say no other name. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.